0: Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, it was not the start we would have liked to have seen to a new month here. But the good news, as Kip talked about yesterday, is that the month of February is behind us. And specifically, the last two weeks of February, which historically is not a good period. For the stock market but the good news here is that seasonally speaking we're about to enter we've just entered one of the most bullish times of the year we know the period from november to may uh, through the end of april really is one of the best times to be in the market then you've got sell in may and go away with some of the more volatile months leading up into october uh, but again march is fortunately a much better month for the for the market and so is April and in a pre-election year which we've talked about a lot of analytics uh, the third year of a presidential cycle is typically the most bullish year Uh, pre-election years also have the best performance usually in March and April that's seasonally speaking you know Uh, So it's not a guarantee, obviously, uh, but good to see that we're now entering one of the most bullish times of the year. And check this out. You remember March of 2020 when coronavirus insanity really kicked off? We had the lockdowns. That was one of the worst months in recent memory for March. It dropped 12% that much. So even including that month, though, of 2020, the average for March is still higher. The average gains for the month is still higher for the last 10 years for the month of March. So we think we're due here after a little bit of pause, what we've caused called again the pause that refreshes for our markets. After that pause, now it's looking like time to get back off to the races. And we got some good earnings reports or at least one really good earning report after the close today that should help spark some of that rally and it was Salesforce today reporting big beats on both earnings per share revenue. The stock is now up last time I checked 11 and a half percent in after hours trading on top of the 2.3%. It was up on the day to day. That is a massive move for a company with a $167 billion valuation. When you think about that, a 10% move just got that much bigger, right? While it isn't one of the fang names, so not one of the largest companies in the U.S., it's still certainly one of the largest, and don't forget, it's also a holding of the Dow, one of the 30 stocks in the Dow. So should these gains hold on overnight as investors digest these reports, we could be looking at a big start to tomorrow's trading uh, based off of these earnings here and so that said let's take a look at our market on the day today while our major indexes weren't able to hold on to their gains of the day we did finish with two out of our four major indexes positive so it certainly wasn't all bad out there we saw a few really bright spots as well that i'll cover here today uh, but kicking it off small caps. Leading the way, not up by a whole lot, 0.08%, but good to see it finish positive uh, to 1,898. And I covered this statistic a few times over the last few months, uh, but good to see small caps leading. Uh, we've looked If you look back on previous uh, bear markets like we've seen, small caps typically outperformed everything, uh, at least everything large caps, right? Right. Um, over the next year by a big like 12%. Uh, So we wanna see small caps continuing to lead the way. Next up was the Dow Jones, pretty flat, up just 0.02% or five points to 32,661. But we also got what we wanted to see from this group today. And that was the transports were a lot higher today compared to the Dow at least, up three-tenths of 1% on the transports. Good to see them leading. Next up, the S&P 500 was down just less than half a percent to 3,951. And lastly, the NASDAQ was our laggard on the day. You don't want to see tech lagging like this, but there was a bright spot here as well. But first, the NASDAQ down 0.66% to 11,379. The bright spot here, as we talk about here often, you want to see tech leading and semis leading tech. Well, the semis were able to at least lead today as they finished positive, Uh, not by a lot, but still good to see them finish green on the day today. So again, good to see two of our major indexes finishing positive, even if only slightly and especially good on a day where bond yields were much higher like they were today. That certainly didn't help our markets. The 10 year briefly got it back above its 4% level, ultimately closed below that level up just about 2% on the day to a 3.99. So it's right there. But as we've been talking about here, nothing has changed in the 10 year. We are still at extreme overbought levels here. And the 4% level, that that 3.9 to 4% level is a significant resistance point. Uh, It has failed it a few times now. We wanna see it stay below that level and if bond yields start to fall from there it'll be off to the races for stocks and we still have some time to get a really good rally in before the next fed meeting which if j powell continues his disinflationary uh comments like he said 13 times in his last meeting then it could be a pretty bullish event for our market actually but the the good news about the fed meeting being two weeks away is that we should soon enter the Fed blackout period where we won't have to hear from any of these Fed speakers, these Fed lunatics that love to get in front of a camera. Uh, We won't have to hear any of that until after the next FOMC meeting. Um, But before we get the Fed meeting, we're also continuing to see this disinflationary trend that Jay Powell is talking about. You know, it's not going to be a straight line down. So there's a lot of people saying it just isn't showing up in the data yet, even though over the last six months or so, I believe that the rate of inflation is a 1.8%. So below the Fed's 2% target. And with what the Fed used to talk about often, and many economists still do talk about this, uh, ourselves included. Kip and I both have talked about this on the podcast at length. And that is the lag effect. The fact that rate hikes are not fully felt by the market for at least 12 months. So the rate hike that they just made in February won't be felt until February of next year. Now we're coming up right on the time of almost essentially there from the first rate hike that the market should be fully feeling that first rate hike. And then we had the series of larger rate hikes, the 50 base point, 75 basis point. Some of that has been felt by the market, but it won't be fully felt for 12 months. That's what we've been saying here for so long that the fed can start to at least pause. Pause. Doesn't mean stop. I'm not sure where that came into play, where if if the fed decided to stop raising rates that it meant their next step was to cut rates. I, I don't get that type of mindset. They could still raise rates in the future if they want, but avoid the risk of breaking something because of this lag effect. Now, if they continue to raise rates and we're not gonna feel that for a long way out and the Fed waits to stop raising rates until something breaks, then we're very far gone and it's it could be really rough. Uh, so that's another reason why we look for the Fed to pause. They know this. If they're not looking at that, if they don't know about the lag effect, then they are idiots, plain and simple. But They do know about the lag effect. So that could be why Jay Powell used the term disinflationary 13 times in his last meeting. So as long as they're looking at that and they know that the lag effect will continue, then we should see inflation continue to subside without a whole lot more intervention from the Fed. Remember, they're the ones that caused this problem to begin with by telling our government they have plenty of room to spend. In 2020, Jay Powell's 60 Minutes interview talking about digitally creating dollars. That's the Fed. There's no bigger factor on inflation than printing money. Money supply is the number one factor in inflation. And now we've just seen the fastest contraction in money supply since 1981. That's good to see. That is disinflationary. Um, So as we see it, Inflation should continue to come down as the fed stops raising rates. The dollar was also weaker on the day to day. That's another trend that we want to see continue on a day with yields higher. The dollar was down half a percent, very good, right at some resistance levels as well. Um, so again, money supply contracting is the biggest thing right now. And again, inflation won't continue to come down in a straight line. As many would like to see, but we do see it continuing to come down over time. We don't need the fed freaking out about one data point, uh, and making potentially very big mistake. But overall the market could have had a really ugly day today with the 10 year being up as big as it was. And overall we think that's a testament to the strength of this market that we held up as well as we did on a day like today. Um, I also wanted to quickly touch on some international action, uh, Chinese stocks up big again here today as overnight, uh, the China, Chinese manufacturing activity data came out expanding at its fastest pace since 2012. So over a decade, uh, since China has seen this kind of growth. Now uh, we've been talking about China here for a while, we're positioned and, but let me be clear because we get this question from time to time. We want nothing to do with the Chinese Communist Party, but that doesn't mean that we can't take advantage of big move higher, a big moves higher in Chinese stocks. As we see it, that move is going to take place either way, right? At the end of the day, only price pays. So that's what we're looking for here. And as we see it, now that China has finally gotten away from the madness of their zero COVID strategy, it's off to the races for China as they continue to reopen. We expect something similar to what happened here when we reopened in the U.S. in late 2020. Now, that was a staggered reopen over time, but you saw what happened to our markets over the end of 2020 and into 2021, a massive boom. And so if we see something similar in China, that means a boom for Chinese production, a boom for Chinese Demand both for products and for energy, uh, and ultimately a boom for stocks as well. Here, uh, so <clears throat> again, we're looking at that for trading purposes, uh, but it's also good to see for global economic health as well. We want to see China participating in a global expansion. Uh, that's what we want to see if you're if you're bullish on stocks. Uh, again, though, not too much for long-term trading uh, or long-term investing. We don't want a whole lot to do with China, only for trading there. Uh, and we're really starting to see the sentiment of this reopening show up in Chinese ETFs. We're seeing a massive rally, already seen a massive rally off their lows from the end of last year, and their major ETFs were up big today, up some 2 to 4%, 4% plus in some of these as well. So uh, you know, again, good to see for global economic health. Next up, our internals on the day were not exactly what we wanted to see. There were a couple minor bright spots, but overall declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, not a huge beat here, slightly negative for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. Next up, new 52-week highs and lows. This was the bright spot. NYSE managed to come in positive here. And And net just about even for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ was slightly negative there on the day. So really almost exactly even there. Um, Lastly, volume did come in negative for the NYSE and a little bit worse for the NASDAQ, but still not quite two to one negatives that you don't want to see. Again, on a day like today uh, where we had 10-year yield up uh, big and two out of our four major indexes closing lower. This wasn't a massive loss here, really about what you would expect. Next up, looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with three out of our 11 sectors higher on the day. Energy led the way. Energy, looking at the chart here, looks like it could be getting ready uh, for a big move. There's a lot of support at that 82 level, talking about XLE here, the uh, energy ETF, and also just coming off some very oversold levels as well. Um, <clears throat> next up were materials and industrials, then our laggards on the day utilities, which have really, uh, last time I checked the chart, looked like they have fallen off a cliff here. Uh, and a lot of that probably has to do with yields being higher. Utilities are the biggest borrowers in the nation. So higher yields really hurt them. Next up was real estate. Although we continue to see a lot of bullish factors in the housing market here. So no big concerns there and followed by consumer discretionary and tech. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Good day here from commodities. Gold now up uh, almost four-tenths of 1% to $1,843 an ounce. What was really good to see though, we talk about this often, we wanna see the gold miners leading the commodity itself. And we got that today, GDX up a nice 2.18%. Silver flat up slightly by 0.04% to $21.08 an ounce. Copper up pretty big today, nearly 2% to $4.16 a pound. And oil also up today, 0.87% to $77.72 a barrel. So much like uh, GDX to gold, Good to see XLE outperforming the commodity here as well today, Uh, bodes well for energy stocks. Finally for today, Bitcoin, one of our favorite risk on indicators, looks like it could be ready for its its next move higher here. It's found some support around these levels, bounced off them nicely, and now higher again today. Now up 1.76% to $23,544 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.